Hello, welcome to Buzz and Biz. My, this is your host, Steve Markey. Today, we have William Flays. William, could you get us started with the intro and background? Sure. Steve, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the, the opportunity uh, to talk with you today. Um, my background has largely been in large, small agencies for the last 30 years, and currently partner with my own uh, business consultancy called Bottom Line Strategy Group. And we work with small, mid-sized businesses um, to leverage technology in general, but primarily marketing automation and CRM to help drive their businesses forward. Great, thank you, sir. And so how did this come about? Uh, I, we were chatting a bit before we started the episode, at least recording it. Can we talk about where you're from, where you went to school, where you are now, as far as geography? Yeah, um, you know, both Drexel grads, uh, spent quite a bit of time on the East Coast, um, migrated west in, uh, about 10 years ago, I guess around 2010, um, and that was really about getting more involved in the entrepreneurial scene and the startup scene in San Francisco. Um, I was at a large agency, Razorfish at the time, um, running their global services division and knew that I was going to be exiting and wanted to be in the hotbed of startups and um, work with startups and other entrepreneurs when I left. And um, luckily that was, I was able to do that with a company called Affinity Answers, another company called Beam, and learned a lot about raising capital <laughs> and what a successful exit looks like and what a successful or what a, an exit without success looks like as well. But um, it's been since that time, I've kind of been a, a business consultant, either under my own shingle or through um, former colleagues and their agencies um, across Seattle, uh, Nashville, San Francisco, and Denver um, are a few of the companies I've worked with. And what really drove that decision and getting more involved in the small and mid-size companies was wanting to see impact across the work that was being done um, and understanding especially with small businesses the value of utilizing marketing technology efficiently and effectively can really impact their bottom line and what that means to the success of their business. And bottom line is a common theme and hence the name bottom line strategy group <laughs> that we have now. Um, but yeah, I mean, my background at, at, at Drexel is you know, undergrad in finance and economics and a master's degree in information systems. So that lends itself well to helping small businesses understand um, how tech can help drive their business forward. Great, thank you. So I think we touched upon the 
return on investment and mm -hmm. quantitative analysis of marketing campaigns. Mm -hmm. Can we do a deeper dive there, if you don't mind? Uh, from a small to mid-sized business or startup perspective, they don't have the coffers large corporations do. So can you expand upon some of the challenges and how you as a consultant have helped organizations with that and or for a, a startup or someone getting off the ground, maybe some expectations on, on some of the challenges they may see around marketing and marketing campaigns and, and ROI or, or the quantitative analysis of that spend? Right. Absolutely. And you hit on a, a a very important point there is these small businesses don't have the coffers of an enterprise and um, marketing budgets are not at the same scale. So being efficient with your marketing budget is important. And that really lends itself to paying attention and focusing on the analytics and the ROI, which when I start with clients, um, whether it's a, a marketing or a sales engagement, um, analytics tends to be the first thing we, we cover off on is understanding uh, what are your KPIs? What are your objectives out of a sales process, a marketing campaign? Um, and how are you going to measure if that's successful or not. Um, and even at a smaller scale, the key here is to test and learn. So I had an example of a, a um, client who was a premium luggage uh, company. Their primary channel was online. Um, they wanted to get into some social media marketing and had some very good um, visual imagery around lifestyle with their, their luggage. It's a motorcycle brand called Velomaki and um, very much uh, high-end and adventure-focused uh, bags for motorcycles, um, which the initial thinking was that lends itself well to Instagram-type marketing and, and so forth. Um, but we did a kind of a broader Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest campaigns um, with very strict ROI uh, KPIs for each. And what we quickly learned was that Instagram drove views, but not sales. Uh, Facebook was moderate and didn't quite achieve the ROI that we were looking for from a sales perspective. And Pinterest was a, it was just a black hole. Uh, I got a lot, about a lot of people looking, but nobody taking any action after looking. And Twitter was the winner. Their Twitter campaigns uh, outperformed all the other campaigns and exceeded the ROI thresholds that we had set for the campaigns to begin with. So that I, I like to use as an example of we 
small business owners kind of can get caught up in what's the latest, you know, and in this case, you know, Instagram uh, marketing was relatively new and getting those commerce ads in into the feeds and they had very good visuals and, and imagery for the brand. So that that's where they thought they should be. But where they were most efficient and effective with their marketing spend was Twitter. So being able to lay out a program that's analytics focused and ROI focused to test and learn your, or test your theories <clears throat> or your hypothesis um, is important as a small business. Because once you find that, that right niche channel or right type of ad that's out there, being able to scale that particular channel or ad type is it's essential to really being able to uh, grow your business quickly. Great, great, thank you. And so you touched upon sales, you touched upon marketing, and I do believe you mentioned CRM, as in, keep me honest, customer relationship management software. Yes. Just my bias here, Salesforce comes to mind a lot, right? And then we were talking about analytics and search engine optimization, SEO, or mm -hmm. basically the search algorithms uh, of static content and or brand and marketing comes to mind as well. For these smaller orgs, do you find that sales and marketing are one and the same as far as the resource department or are they split up? And, and as a follow-up, the tech behind both, if, if they're different, do they, are they somewhat intertwined there? Good question. Um, one of the things I, I often see a, a mix of both. Um, these smaller organizations, sales and marketing are two separate units. Um, but often you also see the same that they're all one group. It really kind of depends if we're talking with a, you know, a 10 person organization versus a 200 person organization. And also uh, where I notice the difference is if it's B2C versus B2B. Um, regardless, it is utmost importance and uh, beneficial to the organization to make sure if they are separate that they are talking to each other regularly. Um, far too often, one of the first things that needs to be fixed in organizations is to get sales and marketing talking to each other. The common story we hear from sales is marketing sends us a bunch of bad leads and marketing says we send a bunch of leads to sales and sales doesn't close them. And so when you kind of get them together in the same room and start talking about, you know, what each other is doing and how they're doing it and how they're uh, measuring performance, um, then things start working. And that's where, you know, the CRM and marketing automation platform really start working together as well. Um, you mentioned Salesforce, uh, it's the 800 pound gorilla in the industry, but there are plenty of other new players in the market that have developed on 
new technologies that can be a lot more nimble and effective for small and mid-sized companies. Salesforce is still very much an enterprise um, solution that requires almost a staff just to manage Salesforce itself. So um, once you get those two talking together, then you can start kind of looking at, okay, what is the mix that really drives the right qualified lead or takes an unqualified lead and guides them down a path to qualification. Um, and that encompasses all the tactics we've talked about regarding social media marketing, SEO, um, paid search and so forth. And that's where the marketing automation platforms today have really taken a leap forward is the ability to integrate a lot of those channels together. And um, the analogy I like to use is it can make a marketing department of two or three people look like a department of 20 or 30 um, if used effectively. And um, it really, it can really make a difference with sales as well, knowing, going into it, knowing the journey that the lead that you're talking to has been on. So they know that they came in through an organic search and that they've received, they filled out a form to download this asset. And since then they've received these three emails and they've been back to the website twice. That's valuable intel for the sales team to know when they start that conversation with a prospect. So small organizations being able to really take advantage of that kind of tech. And just an aside here, the, the cost is no longer prohibitive either. There are plenty of solutions that do these things at a very good price point for even like small startup two, three person shops that can really, you know, amplify their, their efforts. So, so getting them talking to each other is step one and then kind of getting a common set of goals and um, KPIs in place and then having them continue that conversation and having a feedback loop um, are not are not the you know sexy things that people want to do from a marketing perspective, but have the most impact in the long run. Great, great, thank you. So it almost sounds like the leadership may need to step in if folks within sales, marketing, marketing, and sales can't see eye to eye. And, and have you seen that? Have you had to facilitate that over your career? It, absolutely. Um, it, it generally comes down to leadership getting involved and not from the perspective of, okay, you know, you know, director of marketing, you got to meet with director of sales every week. And it, more from the perspective of once those two groups are talking to each other, to get leadership to align their goals. So, and primarily their compensation goals. So moving marketing tended uh, or tends to be 
you know, have their KPIs for their bonus based upon the number of leads they're generating. So they're not as concerned about the quality, they're just looking for volume. And sales is, you know, the number of deals they closed. And they don't want to have to wade through a bunch of bad leads to get to a, a few new ones. So it's once you get them talking, you need to align their uh, incentives uh, in order to for it to truly be effective. And that tends to come top down. Okay. And that's Not actually okay. an easy, easy sell. So once, once the, the two groups are talking to each other, um, management is willing to align those if they see, oh, this is going to be more effective for my business overall. And um, actually, it makes it easier. And you have one set of criteria you're measuring two groups against. So, sure. so to clarify, it sounds like we're talking the creation of the metrics would be grassroots but the approval and in essence, the coordination would be top down. Yes, that's a good way of putting it, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, right. the, yeah the, the top down forced talk to each other doesn't work. That definitely yeah. has to be, yeah, right. that has yeah. to come, that has to come naturally within the groups themselves. And that touches upon, uh, I think, a great point, at least for, for me, about hiring the right people to scale and having people who align with the culture of the company and can collaborate with one another. Right. So we've been talking a lot of tactics, thank you, and a lot mm -hmm. of tech detail. Do you see a need for a person with that technical skill set to transition a bit as they move into a, a leadership position within marketing or sales to, to be able to uh, have those soft skills and the ability to collaborate across different domains, so to speak? Right. I, that's a good question. I, and I'm going to touch on two things here that I've seen in startups in particular. Um, one being the team that you have when you're 10, 20, 30 people and the people that are key, key players on that team are not often the people you need when you're 50, 100, 150 people. Um, those roles shift. And the point you brought is like working as a sole contributor versus working as guiding and leading a team are two different sets of skills and finding somebody that can do both effectively is not um it's not easy yeah it's not easy um the other part and this i see particularly in software development is the career progression does not always have to move from sole contributor to manager. Um, I have worked with some very talented developers and um, who were highly ineffectual managers and really kind of got promoted in the roles that they didn't want. Um, but that's how their career progression was set up. And so one of the things I learned there 
was, um, again, it's two different sets of skills. You don't, the, the person that leads the team of developers doesn't need to be hands-on in the code with the developers at, that, at the level they are. They're the experts. You're there to guide them and help them primarily remove any barriers that come in the way from them completing their work. Now, that person in, in that case in particular with technique, technical teams needs to have a technical background and have the respect of developers and in, in what they've been able to do. But in general, for when leading teams, um, having the deep expertise in the area of um, focus for that team isn't what's necessary. What's more necessary are just good leadership qualities. Um, and startups that recognize that as they grow have a smoother trajectory to success. Um, startups that I've seen where they feel a certain sense of loyalty to the people who were there in the beginning by promoting them into larger roles um, can tend to have some hiccups or bumps along the way that um, probably could have been prevented if they can leverage what those people are good at and not make their career path about managing bigger and bigger groups, but their career path about bigger and bigger contributions to the organization overall at what they're good at. So those are some of the dynamics I've seen when it comes to people, leadership, um, progression of kind of the organization. Okay, yeah, thank you. And you touched upon B2B, business to business, and B2C, business to consumer. For a B2C, business to consumer startup, and that wants to cast a wide net because they, they know probably the industry or the age group to some extent that they want that consumer or, or would be their optimal consumer, yet they don't know geographically or, or maybe even a little more refined criteria. I would assume that's, a, that's an organization that engages you and can walk through high level the process of, of how that criteria would be tweaked? Is it just straight analytics? Is it trial and error with marketing campaigns? But how would a startup go about trying to refine the, the B2C specific market or segment they're looking for? That, that's a good question. And I'm gonna talk from the perspective of a commerce, direct-to-consumer via um, online. Um, the, the first, first place to look is your just your website analytics and typically that means google analytics that kind of give you a lay of the land or you know a direction to look um everything from what you mentioned uh, geographic to demographic um to a channel effectiveness of where your customers are coming from are they uh coming from organic search or paid or so forth um, 
starting there and kind of developing a persona of who your customer is. Um, and then it's a test and learn. And it really is about kind of what I talked about earlier is form a hypothesis about um, that person and put together a test campaign and make sure you have, you know, you know your success metrics that are measurable. So your ROI, um, your cost per acquisition, understand what you're willing to spend and the thresholds that are gonna determine success and really let the analytics drive your decisions uh, from that perspective. And it's continuously just refined, refine the model upon each test. And when you hit upon something that really um, kind of ticks all the boxes, that's where you begin to scale for your marketing programs. Ooh, cool. Well, thank you, sir. Well, mm -hmm. do you wanna close out with any statements or, or prophecies about the future of, of marketing and uh, post-pandemic, so to speak? Um, I, I will say the pandemic has thrown marketing on its head here for a little bit, but um, I, I think it's been for the best. I, I think it's given small businesses an opportunity to really dive into their digital channels and really be able to understand the underlying drivers for their businesses and has put a sharper focus on the ROI that comes along with their business. And along with that means a sharper focus on the analytics driving decisions about their business. So what that looks like post pandemic, uh, hopefully that sticks because they've seen some real value about it from it in the past you know, nine months. And um, that helps drive their business post pandemic even further. Cool. Well, thank you. This is William yep. Flaves. Thank you again for this current episode, I'm your host, Steve Markey. This is Buzz and Biz. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.